I'm Art Halloran, the CEO of Trillion Energy. Um, we are drilling our natural gas offshore Turkey in a very high gas uh, environment. We expect to be drilling 17 wells. We're all fully funded, and we started drilling actually yesterday. <laughs> well, hot off the press, hot off the press. Um, th well, like, thanks for coming on, Arthur. I uh, appreciate you making the time to do that. Uh, we'll see you back in May. Pretty um, strange markets back then, given what was happening in Russia, Ukraine. Um, even stranger markets now. H how are you reading the situation? Um, well, since May, we went from about $18 an MCF um, US to now we're at over $30.68 an MCF. And at the same time, what I found for, if you want to talk about uh, the security market and so on, we, we had decided to do this project before COVID. We struggled through COVID. And so we were happy. We we're getting 8 to $9 in MCF. And when we did our first raise would be around just in early February, we went and put the things um, lined out, um, the price and so on. And then the Russian invasion of the Ukraine happened. We then did, we raised that money and so what's happened is we've actually come out of the storm drill ready with a lot of gas that's already proven an existing facility. Um, the rig drilling, any other company that happened to be stalled over the COVID or either one broke or put things on the burner, now are going to have to do catch up, maybe six, eight months to a year. Whereas now we have very good um investor eyes on our company. Both times we're oversubscribed. We get calls every day and um, we're in a $30 MCF uh, environment, which is an excellent situation for the for the company. Oh, no, it really, really is. And I say kind of um, first, we'll call it, in, in the first group, a first mover advantage for you in that sense, because you're not only we able to um, pick this stuff up cheap for cents in the dollar, but you're also sort of, you know, right in the middle of a kind of high um, gas price environment. Um, you've taken a little bit of advantage of that. And I want to try and understand how, how you play this, right? Because I think that we're going to have all of us dusting off a few cobwebs in terms of investing in oil and gas, because it's been a while since the market has been in a position where it's, it, it, it's looked attractive, um, unless you're a contrarian, of course. Um, so you've raised some money. You raised how much money recently? So we've raised now uh, would be probably 41 million Canadian. And so that meets our $30 million US to do our program A. And then program A, I mean, in the $30 environment, we can, cause we're gonna be putting the gas on right away. We generate enough um, revenue to fund program B. So um, we don't need to go back and get any more money. Well, from memory, last time around, you told me it would be sort of um, two to three months payback at 18 bucks per MCF. And obviously at 30, I, I guess things are meaningfully different because, um, well, what, what is the payback now? What is that looking like? Have you done that calculation? Yeah, I think when I talked to you, we were talking about, you know, within a, a matter of a few months. Or so say an example would be by the time we finish program A, which would be, um, now it's May 2023. We started off the saying we're going to be making about $4 million free cash flow a month. And now it's three times that. So now it's $12, $12 million a month. And at the end of program B, which is going to be in the future, but basically June 
2024, it was projected to be seven to seven and a half, and now we're into the 20s. So when you go back and you say, okay, before, you know, we're going to get a quick quick payout. Well, now it's it's a well cost between eight to $10 million. And we're going to be making key, you know, free cash flow very, very fast. So it's about a, a three to four month payout with the, the wells and so on. And the other, the other issue that's really important that I forget to mention is that all the money we raise is going into drilling the wells and bringing the gas on. We don't need any extra capital to put any more facilities like more pipelines or anything because we're actually drilling off the platform. And we and like you say, we got this facility uh, pennies in a dollar, but it's in really good shape. So again, that's the reason why it's a quick payout is because there is no large uh, facility capex. Right. And, okay. And, and I kind of want to get onto the, the drilling component, but you, you've also got to do this in the context of understanding the, the market conditions. We, we, you've talked about the, the, the price move from 18 to 30. Great. But it, it's a very sort of tumultuous market place out there. It, it's a, it's a, a, a very fluid, let's call it like that, because um, no one in Europe is quite certain of what their energy security or their energy policies will be, because obviously Russia is kind of cutting off gas supply heading west. Um, that you know, and most countries don't have a kind of plan B, as it were, yet. Not so conversations around nuclear, which is great, or um, or LNG potentially, but nothing that's going to be a quick fix. So sustainable pricing in the region. I know you're predominantly you're Turkey, but it's most people would view that sort of Eastern Europe. Um, how long do you think these prices sustain? Do they go higher? And what happens if they come back down? Where do they go? Yeah, I, I think like for the winter, they're going to stay up in the $30 range. And we've got told that it'll probably increase 10% a month because we get a new price every month. And um, in the long term, you know, what I mean by long term, it's not really that long. It's two or three years. Um, I don't think any of the problems are going to be solved. It might not be 30 bucks. It might be $20. Um, we look at, you know, we say, okay, what about we're going to get $26 and then $18 in 2024, that kind of thing. It's still really good because you have to remember, we were very, very happy at 8 to $9. The economics were really stellar. So 10 15 20 I mean, that's really good for us. I don't think it's going to go below 20 for the next couple of years. And these reservoirs are conventional reservoirs. They will produce, like I said before, 60 to 50% of their total volume of gas in the first you know, four or five years. And a large percentage of that is in the first couple of years. And so we will be cashing in on the, the high uh, gas price. And that's why... Um, it pays out so well, and we'll be just filling our bank with uh, with cash for future work. Right. So, so the decline decline levels um, work in your favor, in the sense the first you know yep. two three years, you get the you get the the bulk of of, of um, the gas out. Um, filling your coffers 
okay, always nice. Companies that make money sort of <laughs> seem quite rare in, in, in the, in the um, public market sphere. Um, okay, filling your coffers, or do you take that cash and ramp things up quicker? Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand the model you described to me last time. So do you buy these rigs? Do you lease these rigs? I mean, what, what, it's not just cash, but what, what's the kind of asset situation look like in, in three years' time? Yeah, so, I mean, you're correct. To sit on cash um, is, is not good business, right? You got to invest cash to get a good return. Uh, the rigs, we, they're actually owned by a drilling company in Romania. And so we rent them. Um, we sign a contract. We guarantee them a certain fee, but it's basically rented per day. And so I treat SASB as the, um, the cash engine to generate activity. <clears throat> and so... To accelerate the program, there's two aspects of it. One is to accelerate the program. The other one is to look for other opportunities. And I have many shareholders contacting me and saying, look, is there any way you can accelerate the program? And if I was a lazy guy, I would say no. There, there isn't because we have everything worked out for one rig, and um, that's all there is. But they bring up a valid point. The valid point is nobody can predict what the future gas at four, five, six years down the road is. We have a good idea what's going to be two or three years down the road. So what if I can bring more gas on? So program A is set up for one rig. And what I mean by that is our shore baseline is only a certain size. It only can have so much casing and consumables on it. Our supply <coughs> um, chain, so when we get new casing and so on, can only accommodate a certain amount. And our manpower but program B is another, it's not until uh, spring next year. And some of the items we need to order now. So long story short, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at to see if maybe we can't, um, you know, do it in 50% of the time, but maybe some of the projects, like there's a little a pool called Escadale, which is three or four wells, that might be able to be drilled by an alpha barge, which is another drilling program another drilling um, vehicle that uh, GSP has. And we can then just kind of um, have two projects going in one instead of accelerating one project and you have a bunch of logistics, just say, okay, we're starting a new project. And that logistically is easier. So yeah, we're looking at that because if we have the cash, why not, right? The other issue is if I have extra cash, I definitely want to start looking at um, the expiration potential like I mentioned before, around uh, my, my block for the larger ones. And I can accelerate that. That's just dependent on the amount of cash you have. And then finally, the other one is going through COVID when the commodities were, weren't very good. Um, there were a lot of companies that went in distress. And now because we are uh, like the talk of the block, I'm getting companies approaching us with opportunities saying, look, we have this good opportunity. We need money. We need a partner. And so we're looking at those. I have this, I'd like to see if I can find a lot in the same neck of the woods I am, like in Turkey and so on. But you know cash is king. And when you have cash, you have a lot of opportunities. You, you, you absolutely do. There's a lot of cash constrained companies. We've been approached by you know, a, few, a few ourselves. Um, you know, and, and it's the ability to actually work out which have good assets and which do not. It's not just about having cash constraints. So I, I imagine you have a lot of data that you've, you've worked through. But um, can I ask you about um, something else, though? Um, 
they're going to say, okay, you're building a big kind of big cash position up, but given the nature of the market for the last two and a half years, you, you're probably thinking, as well as this kind of ag- aggressive component, there's a kind of, or needs to be a kind of def- defense component in case things go horrifically wrong very quickly as well. So um, spending spending a dollar to make $3 is super smart, but having a, a defense plan is also quite smart if things very quickly go wrong. So it, is, is that in, very much in the back of your mind, given where you've come from, or are you a full yeah, you're, bull you're right. on, the, on, the, on gas and oil prices going forward? Yeah, you always you always spend two dollars and keep one in your pocket. Makes sense. Okay, okay. So yeah. the, the, I, I call the, that the, robbing money because when I when I lived lived in Colombia, you keep cash in your pocket, and then you keep other cash in your other pocket, and then when you get robbed, you just empty the cash and you say that's all I got. And they they're happy and they leave, but you haven't given all your cash because you have the other one in the other pocket. When I when I was doing oil in Kazakhstan, they had to have it in four different pockets. They they twigged the, they twigged the two pocket thing, real quick. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. So okay. So um, drilling started yesterday. Um, 17, 17 wells on Plan A. Is that is that sorry? I want to be clear. So Plan A is seventeen wells. And um, Plan A is seven wells. It's seven. So it's two sorry, wells. I misheard you yeah. in the beginning. Seven. Okay. Yeah. Right. And the time frame that is through to spring next two- year. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. So it would be, yeah. So, so, so explain to me what, what, so what that looks like in terms of the spend, because you're obviously making money, plowing it straight back in. Um, so time frame spring next year. Um, so the wells are coming out at, at, at what per per well? How much? So the each they they will test like you know seven to ten million cubic feet, but we'll probably put them on. At four to five, I mean, you can if you have a few wells, you can ramp them up. But I think I think five million cubic feet would be good, and so half of that would be ours. So for every well, we're going to be putting in our pocket two and a half million cubic feet. And the way we figure it is that we won't get too much in 2022, but we should have two wells on, and by the end of 2023, we should be upwards. This is our interest. So four million cubic feet per day by the end of um, this year, and then the end of 2023, because you also have that decline rate, you're probably looking at 14, 14 million cubic feet per day, and then the exit rate of 2024 is in the order of maybe 20 to 22 million cubic feet per day. Okay, that's right. So you got the 49%. Yeah. Okay. And, and the way that works into cash flow is that again, depending on the cash, because you know, you use thirty dollars all the way through. The numbers are different, so I'll give you a range. We expect to exit two thousand twenty-three in the order of uh, seven seventy-five to maybe a hundred million U.S. And then around twenty-four two thousand twenty-four, you know, maybe in the order of um, one hundred and twenty-five to one hundred and fifty million U.S. But that's we, we put a bit of a lower price in it, but substantial revenue, right? Right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay, I'll, we'll have to take a look, dig around the numbers and try and work out what that profile looks like, revenue profile looks like. Uh, also, question: We've got some great questions sent in, but and sorry, I should have taken. Or normally, we do take note of who sends them in. So this is someone from from one of your, I guess, shareholders or wannabe shareholders. Um, rig mobilization was twelve days late. Did um, TCF get the contractual agreed penalty fee? Yeah. The, so the penalty fee. So the reason why it was late was. Um, 
initially it was to be <clears throat> inspected and then it was supposed to be sent free. Um, but then there was an issue found with the ballast tank. And so um, they had to weld it. So the reason is, is that it's not, it's safe, but it has to survive a certain hit. And there was also something with the ro rotary. So that $95,000 a day is, I would say, is a touchy subject. So we'll get some, but some, some we won't because some of the rig, so an example is some of the delay was our, our cause. So when we had the rig arrive on our property on Friday, they were ready to go, but we didn't take the keys because we said our inspector noticed this and noticed that. And so it didn't actually start spudding until um, yesterday morning. And so that time there, now who, we caused that delay, but we caused the delay because the minute we take the keys, we have to pay $95,000 a day, right? And they should have had that fixed before. So to answer the question, exactly how much we'll get, we'll have to work out, but we'll get some. And the other thing is, at this point, I'm not going to really bring it up too much because we have to work, work with them for a couple of, a couple of years. But the answer is, yeah, some we get and some there will be some discussion. And um, I mean, Arthur, can you just give us a sense of um, will you be able to put up more regular updates for each well as you go in terms of these seven through to you know, spring next year? Um, or do you kind of want to be able to come and go out them at batch, in batches, as it were? Yeah, so if they mean by updates, if they mean by the, um, the news releases and so on, we intend to have with our trillion dispatch that we give out every week, we'll have an, a weekly update. It won't be a daily update. And then as we get close to the actual testing, when we do test it, we'll have a, a news flash on our our website and, and in our trillion uh, dispatch that'll be out there. Right. Okay. And with regards to um, uplisting on TSXV, any plans? Yeah. So I, I have a kind of like a, a, a pet peeve or a bias. So my bias is, is what happens is when the shares don't exactly perform like people want them to perform. And so everybody thinks our shares should be up at 60, 70 cents. And I believe that too. And they're at 46 cents or 45 cents. They think the way to cure it is to go on to another, another board. And the way I look at it is when you want to move your company to another board, you have to, you have to have your company pick the board. In other words, your company grows to the right way to pick the board. You don't squeeze your company or change your company to fit the board. And whether we want to believe it or not, um, we are still a, um, like, a, not, I wouldn't say a junior, but a startup type thing that we have a long history and we're just starting to get growth, right? We're just starting to get cash flow. And then the next stage is sustainable cash flow. So if we try to jump to a bigger board right now, they would, the larger in, institutional investors would look at us still as a startup. They would say that those guys are just little mice. But once we go through the other stages and we show that we have this horrendous cash flow and we proved it, we start getting different, different eyes on us. And at that time is when you should look at which board and you need to find the board that fits you. You don't try to fit yourself on the board because you end up doing things like rolling back stock or, you know, that kind of thing. So it's not a good, a good thing. Right. So, so tell me this then. You, 
if you do that, no, so you, you, you're, what, you're currently in the um, CSE, Frankfurt, and the OTC QB, QB, I think, right? So um, it makes it difficult for some of the banks that may want to bank you to then allocate a, a broker. I know you've just got some um, recent um, broker coverage. I think Bill Newman at Research Capital is now covering you. But um, do you, are you have you got that degree of confidence about the amount of cash that you're going to create and the fact that you're you're comfortable if you needed to go to market, say if an M&A opportunity arrived, that you could get that without necessarily having brokerage, uh, broker coverage? Um, yes and no. So an example would be we have enough cash now to do the program that we've outlined, A and B. We're going to be generating over $100 million a year, and that's going to be in a very short time. But it's not like five years, 10 years down the road. It's be, and it's because a BCF of gas is worth $30 million dollars. So if we just wait for a year, a year and a half, we're in complete different situation. And then we can go and, um, you know, go to a different board and attract the bigger, the bigger banks. And that might be for, say, the, the off block where our program is going to be $100 million, but we're talking, you know, 500 BCF. But right now with SASB, we're quite comfortable. Let's, let's get the money and then be able to, to pick and also to answer your, your the question, we have had some firms come up to us and say, look, if you need 30 or $40 million, would you be open to it or 10 to 20? And at this point in time, we just say, we don't need the money right now, but we're not saying no, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting times. And obviously gas is seen as a, a green energy uh, solution, doesn't have the same um, problems that oil is facing with some of these big funds and some of the the, the bigger companies. Um, so I guess that's not not an issue for you. So you're going to stick. You're going to stick with gas, are you? Start with that. Yeah, like I I think gas is is the key right now because there's such a big demand for it. But that being said, I'm a I'm a petroleum guy, and if there's a good opportunity where I see a really undervalued or an oil property that's not properly developed, and I can think I can get another. Uh, project for pennies on a dollar, even dimes on a dollar, I won't, I won't turn away. It's all depends on what you make. Right. But, but because my question is, you know, has the last sort of year of ESG and anti-fossil fuel rhetoric and narrative, um, you know, not, not, not just from, you know, protagonists and, and you know, uh, NGOs, but also from some of the funds and some of the politicians. And it's, it, I, you know, don't, don't be wrong. I, I, I think it's unthinking. Um, but yeah. nevertheless, it's there. Um, does that make you a little bit nervous about going into or potentially going back into oil? Yeah, well, I guess when I say I'm going back, it would not be in a major way. It would be like dabbling, that type of thing. Like it was a really good situation. But when you look at SCSB, you know, the, the amount of gas we're going to find on our block and the potential off our block, that that's a lot, right? And then why... Why work in a commodity where, like you say, people are not really happy about and, you know, you might have difficulty finding the market, whereas natural gas right now, like you say, is um, the green energy that is used for generating electricity. It's a transitional fuel. <clears throat> I brought one of the, my new director is Sean Stouffer. Uh, he has a lot of experience in green energy. Um, he's um, done... I think four or five between 200 to 500 megawatt projects on solar, wind, hydro. And then so he's the type of guy I just brought on. 
He's in his uh, 40s. He was a top 40, uh, under the age of 40, a winner in Vancouver for business. He's quite a sharp guy. So that kind of situation, I would look at natural gas deposits that are potentially too small to put a pipeline to actually start using it to generate generate electricity in situ and then just um, have a power line, right? Things like that. So there's a big, big avenue to find ways to, you know, natural gas to electricity, right? I mean, Arthur, can you um, just tell me something? Because I'm obviously working over in, in, in Turkey. You take advantage of, of um, the, the projects that you picked up there. But I'm, I'm sort of intrigued, again, in terms of the broader market context. Um, how is North America viewing what's going on over in, in Europe? And, you know, and, and has that you know, resulted in anyone sort of picking up the phone from North America uh, and trying to, um, well, get involved with what you're doing? Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, again, I find that in Europe, it's like especially like London and so on, there's a larger appetite for investing in places like Turkey because it's their backyard. They know that Turkey's part of NATO and, and they feel comfortable. Um, with the price of gas, that's kind of like something that prevents people from not doing it. And they look at our project, but they, not all of them, but a large percentage of them do bring up a question about how is it in the politics of Turkey? Will they, um, you know, change the royalty regime and take more and stuff like that? But once we tell them exactly that Turkey is a good place for business, we tell them they've never done that in the past, and we educate them on Turkey, they feel way more comfortable. But in, some are hesitant, but in the end, they realize that Turkey is Europe. Turkey is Europe, but, you know, you go... There's, the, there's always the geopolitical risk. I mean, if you're talking about energy, there's always geopolitical risk. Always has been, always will be. Um, you know, you've got Erdogan's sitting there with Putin going, don't worry, he would, I'm, I'll be a spokesman for him. Um, you know, he, do, he does want to pull ahead of Ukraine. Um, he does, you know, want, want this to end. Um, that was, I guess, good news. Um, but he's, does that, that, that can't help really um so does that again does that affect your decision on about going on to different exchanges because north americans will view that differently from europeans have got a i guess a slightly closer relationship with turkey and um and, and op the optics are different yeah that, that's correct like we would we would look look at something in in england if we wanted the board because number one the funds are a lot larger and they have a, a lot better appetite for turkey but Getting back to, to Turkey and doing business in Turkey, the oil and gas industry, especially because it's mainly, mainly gas too, is only like, I always thought it was 10%, but then somebody corrected me and said, no, they, it's only like 2%, 3% of what they need and they import. And so even though this project is really good for us, we're like a little, a little fly in an elephant, right? And so they don't, they don't really notice us they want us. Like I went to two ministries and they want foreign investments, especially in gas, because they say every every MCF that we produce, they can put into their storage or they don't have to buy, right? And so they really support us. I've had a couple of meetings with them and they're, they're extremely happy, especially when I say that, you know, we're bringing in 30 million, but it's going to be a $100 million project. And then TPAO is going to be investing the same amount 
So you're looking at a $200 million project bringing on gas that they need. And so once I put it in that content and so on, we're, we're very stable there. They don't want to bother us or, or anything, right? And the other aspect of it is when we, even when we rent our office building, we have to pay in U.S. And so we, all our rig, we pay in U.S., our uh, uh, pipe, everything. So we, we have that currency that we're allowed to change our Turkish lira to U.S. because we need to actually bring in equipment and so on to drill. So in Turkey, I feel in the country itself, I think we're quite safe. We're kind of like missed, but we're very important. But outside of Europe, um, not so much in Canada. Canada seems to have a more world attitude, but a lot in the States, they're really concerned, you know, about the politics of, uh, of Turkey. Yeah, for, 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 for sure. Um, and I guess with the US dollar controlling, um, well, not, not only the movement of the world, but movement of US dollars, um, it, it kind of must give some degree of comfort um, I think to anyone, so any large U- U.S. or North American uh, investors, institutional investors. Interesting times, Arthur. Well, you, you're you're making hay while the sun shines, that's for sure. Um, so look forward to sort of seeing how you get on with the rest of this year with it with the drilling, um, the rest of these seven um, wells that you're going to be putting in, um, and may the cash continue to flow, sir. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much, and let's have another chat when I have these seven wells down. Yes, sir. <laughs> you, you can count on it. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks for your time. I appreciate it.